This is Truth with Grace, the media ministry of Grace Baptist Church. We're so pleased you've joined us today as we continue our exploration of the truth found in God's Word and the grace of salvation. Pastor Pierre Rosa is continuing his preaching from the Gospel of Matthew, and today we're in chapter 24. When you look at our world and all that's going on, culturally, politically, and spiritually, Christians have to ask, is this it? Is this the end of the world? The disciples asked that of Jesus 2,000 years ago, and things aren't really any better. Jesus gives us a disturbing yet strangely calming explanation. God's got this under control, and we aren't to the end yet. There's more evil and more corruption to come. And when the end does come, it will be like nothing ever seen on the earth. So we wait and watch for the signs of his coming, five of which Pastor will cover today and two more next week. Let's listen to today's message from Pastor Pierre. Matthew 24, verses 5 through 14, Jesus says, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. So I hope you notice here the milestones that Jesus gives leading up to the time of his return. He doesn't say when these things will happen. He just says, keep an eye on these things, because when these things start to happen, then the end will come. First one in verse 5 is wicked deception. He says, many will come in my name and say, I am the Christ. That's wicked deception. Those things happen now, as we know. Many of these things that we are familiar with with some of these things that happen now. But like he said, these are the beginning of birth pangs. They will increase when we get to the end. But he alerts the disciples that after his ascension, false Christs would come. People would say, I am the Christ. Now, Israel would be vulnerable for that type of deception because they had just rejected the real Christ. But there's one false Christ that will take center stage during that time. And you may have heard of the Antichrist of the end times. Paul talks about him. The uh, Thessalonians were under the impression they had been falsely guided. They had been misled, and they were under the impression they were living in the end times. And he says this. He comforts them by saying this, 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 1 through 3. Now, we request your brethren, he says, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or disturbed either by a spirit or a message, or a letter, as if from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, 
So Paul is talking about one particular man, the man of lawlessness, the son of destruction. By the way, the Antichrist will be a male. He will be a man, the Bible says, and uh, he will be the ultimate Christ impersonator. He will be the ultimate false Christ that will claim to the world, look at me, I am he. He will deceive people into thinking, ha, that is a true Messiah. That is a true Christ. He will get people to think that he can defeat death. Now, John describes this man here, this leader of the future. Listen to Revelation 13, verses 1 through 3. This is a bizarre image that John sees. By the way, there are several of those in the book of Revelation. It doesn't mean that these guys look like this. We need to understand the figurative nature of the vision. The vision is real. John really saw those things because God is revealing those things to him. But every element of those visions symbolize something. And this is the vision. He says, then I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads. And on his horns were ten diadems. And on his heads were blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard. And his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power in his throne and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. So again, John is having a vision of the end times here, and this is clearly a reference to the Antichrist. And Satan here is the dragon. The Bible actually clearly talks about that. And he will empower this false Christ, this Antichrist of the end times. Now, Satan has authority now. Now, the authority that Satan has is not inherent authority. God has allowed Satan to have controlled and limited authority. Now, I, I need to keep reminding us of that because we are tempted to think that we look at the world now and say, well, wait a minute, evil is running out of control. Nothing is out of control. Satan has limited control of things now because God has allowed him. Now, during the tribulation of the end times, God's going to give him a little more slack on the leash. But God still has control. The permissive will of God has allowed Satan to have some control here on the earth and to influence world leaders. We know that. That's very clear. Even from the Old Testament and even today, a lot of world leaders are influenced by Satan. But in this particular case here, this man, the man of lawlessness, the man of destruction, the son of destruction, the ultimate false Christ here, the ones that Christ talked about, there are many who will come. But from the complete revelation of God here, we know that there's one in particular that the Bible talks about. He will have the power to influence many people in the world during that time. Now, obviously, he will not look like this beast. I hope you realize that. But the Bible describes his beast-like features that illustrate his ferocity, his hunger for, for blood, his demonic nature here. But this will be a counterfeit prince of peace. He will promote temporary world peace. According to Revelation 6, 1 through 2, he says this, Then I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, as if with a, a voice of thunder, Come. I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. So John is in heaven looking at all of these things, and the Lamb here is Christ. He's breaking the seals, meaning he's opening up the title deed to the world that he has because Christ is the owner of all things. So he's opening up the title deed to the world and revealing all of these things that are going to take place. And we meet here the first of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You heard that expression before. The first one here is given a bow with no arrow. What that means is that this antichrist of the, of the future times will obtain people's allegiance, not by war initially, 
but by diplomacy, temporarily, he will manage to secure what no one else has, able, has been able to do in history, namely to secure truce in the Middle East. But he will break that peace in the middle of the, the tribulation there. Now, obviously, we know that only the true Christ is the promoter of true peace because he is the one who promotes peace between God and man. That is priority in our lives. Even though the world is falling apart because of wars and rumors of wars, the most important type of peace that we must secure and we must warn people about is this. Be at peace with God. Be reconciled with the one who made you and provided a way for you to be redeemed. And the only way for you to have peace with God is by coming to faith in Jesus Christ. That is, first and foremost, that is the most important type of peace there is. Now, once we have secured that, of course, let's talk about reconciliation between nations and all of that. But you want to secure that peace first. And the only one who's able to do that is the true Christ, not any false Christ, because he is the Prince of Peace. But the peace promoted by the man of lawlessness here or the sin of perdition will be short-lived according to the chronology of the end times that we read here, which leads us to the next milestone that Jesus talks about here, worldwide affliction, verses 6 through 8. Uh, one thing leads to another. These are not unrelated things. Now, the Antichrist will reveal his true nature and betray the people whose allegiance he will have secured, the Jews. And we know that because of what is written in the book of Daniel, that Jesus says, well, learn about the desolation by going to the book of Daniel. And uh, this is what God revealed to Daniel the prophet about this man of lawlessness. Daniel 9, verse 27, listen to this. He will make a firm covenant with the many. He's talking about this antichrist here, the false Christ, false Messiah, the one from the end times. He says he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. And on the wing of abominations will come the one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction. The Bible is talking about a week of years here. I hope you understand that. This is a period of seven years. Now, the book of Daniel, the, the, the whole context there lets us know that that's the case. So during this period of seven years, the Antichrist will establish peace. But then in the middle of that period, he will betray the Jews because he says he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. But then in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice. He's talking about the, the sacrifice of the Jews. They will have their system restored by this man. He will, he will be the promoter of the restoration of this revival of Judaism here. But then he will put a stop to it in the middle. Uh, in other words, after three and a half years. And the fact that he will break that treaty with Israel, he will break his commitment with the nation, will trigger all of these worldwide events here that Jesus talks about. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. Now listen to how God showed this future scene to John. Again, go to the book of Revelation, chapter 6, verses 3 through 4. When, this is what John saw. When he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come, and another, a red horse, went out. And to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth, and a great sword was given to him. But listen to John again in the book of Revelation, chapter 6, verses 7 through 8. He says, When the Lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come. I looked, and behold, an ashen horse, and he who sat on it had the name Death, and Hades was following with him. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with a sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beasts of the earth. 
So this is a scene of destruction. But when you're reading these things, you may wonder, Pastor, we see false messiahs now. We see these things now. World War II was like that. We see all of these things happen in our lifetime. How do we know that Jesus is referring to the end of the age in these verses? Well, aside from the fact that he said very clearly in verse 29 that uh, immediately after, not several years after, but immediately after these things, I will return. Immediately after. Aside from that fact, he continues here explaining to them, and he uses a very interesting metaphor to explain what he's talking about here. And let's explain what that metaphor is. In pregnant women, muscle spasms, regular muscle spasms signal the beginning of labor. We know that. I've experienced that in my own family. I remember these contractions caused pain and discomfort as they became longer and more intense. So there is a gradual acceleration of that process. But the pains alert that there's new life coming. So what gives us comfort is to know that these pains are temporary. They are hard. They are uncomfortable. But look, there's new life coming. So in the same way, divine judgment will continue to intensify. Now, we may be seeing previews of that in our generation. We, we have witnessed wars and rumors of wars. We have witnessed many earthquakes. But divine judgment will intensify as the day approaches. But the people alive at the time will be able to look forward to the return of Christ, to the glorious appearing. And they will finally say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Remember, Jesus talked about this in the previous chapter. He says, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So there will be a generation of Jewish Christians during that time who will identify current events. And they will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they will witness personally the return of Christ. But let's talk about the third milestone here of the chronology of the end times, according to Jesus. The third one we're going to call wretched persecution, verse 9. And we know that this is a new one because of the way he starts this paragraph with the word then. So it's afterwards. He says, then they will deliver you to tribulation. Now, in the first century A.D., Christianity experienced the first season of government-sponsored persecution under Nero. This is up until that time, the most intense level of persecution, Peter and Paul were alive at the time, and they lost their lives during this time. You can go to the history books for that. Emperor Domitian, whose government exiled John to the island of Patmos, promoted the next period of persecution sponsored by the government against the church. Some well-known martyrs of the church lost their ministries during the second century, such as, for example, Ignatius of Antioch, a man who was fed to the lions after he refused to deny his Savior. Fifty years later, a man by the name of Polycarp was burned at the stake for the same reason. Now, persecution then spread to the edges of the Roman Empire as soon as Christianity became a little more distinguished from Judaism. Then Emperor Decius criminalized the Christian faith. But Diocletian promoted the most intense oppression of believers, according to historians. And, and, and he ordered the cessation of worship services, the destruction of church buildings, and the burning of Bibles. And we know that persecution has continued even until this day. It's a little foreign to us because we have enjoyed freedom of religion here in America for the last 200 years. In our generation, none of us even have experienced any of this. We read about this in the history books, and it's, this is a foreign concept for us here. But according to Christ, these things will intensify 
during the time that immediately precedes his return. Now, there are many people who go through persecution now. This level of persecution here, being burned alive, being sawn in two. But Jesus is saying here, there will be an intense spirit of persecution. He says, they will kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. The Bible says that this persecution such as has never happened before. And uh, the Antichrist will then be the, the brains behind all of that because he will break the peace treaty with Israel. And then he will immediately orchestrate massive persecutions against Christians and against Jewish Christians. And the reason we know that, church, again, I'm not making this up. It's all in the book of Revelation. Revelation 6, verses 9 through 11. Listen to this. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And there was given to each of them a white robe, and they were told that they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they had been, would be completed also. So you see here the complete control of God says, rest a little while longer. There are more martyrs to join you in this. These are the tribulation martyrs. These will be the people who will be killed for their faith during that time. They will be the ones who will come to faith in Christ and they will pay the ultimate price for their faith. They will be evangelists. They will be people who will be proclaiming the, the, the Christian faith during that time. But they will be facing the period of intense birth pains, intense contractions to keep the same metaphor here. They'll experience this tribulation that Jesus talks about here. And then we're led to the next one, the next milestone of the uh, chronology of the end times here according to Christ. So we're going to call this woeful defection, verses 10 through 11, woeful defection. Now, it's not hard to comprehend this. In the chaos of global persecution, many false converts will expose themselves by turning against true believers. Now, this is not an unfamiliar concept to us. We know there are false believers today in the church, in every church. Now, the same thing is going to happen in the future. These false converts will finally expose themselves because they will turn against the true believers. They will, they will betray them and they'll turn them into the Antichrist. They will infiltrate the community of tribulation saints. And we know that the Antichrist, the, the, the false Christ of that time, will be the mastermind of all of this because of Revelation 13, verse 7, which says this, It was also given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. So God in his infinite wisdom and sovereign power will allow the Antichrist, will give him permission to make war with the saints. Now, true believers, we are tempted to deny Christ, all of us, some of these people will be tempted to walk away from the faith. In fact, again, if you read history, you will know that some people during intense periods of persecution of the church have denied Christ. It doesn't mean necessarily they're false believers. It means they succumbed to the temptation to deny Christ. But there will be defection during those days. People who will leave the, the community of the redeemed during that time and they will turn other people into the Antichrist. Among the victims of that will be Jews who will finally understand the several Old Testament prophecies about this time. Again, they will be Messianic Jews, meaning they will be Christians. They will be Jewish by blood, but they will be Christians. They will recognize Jesus as the Messiah, finally. And they will conclude 
that they will be living in the time of Jacob's distress. Remember, I talked about this earlier. That's the reference is in Jeremiah 30, verse 7. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, talks about a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time. It will be the most intense time of persecution for believers, more than we've ever seen. And the, the, the victims of this persecution here, the defection, they will also realize that God promised to purify their nation and prepare them for the return of Christ. Zechariah 13, verses 8 through 9. God will refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. They will call on the name, on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people, and they will say, the Lord is my God. Finally, Israel then as a nation on, on a national scale will recognize Jesus Christ as their God and they will realize, okay, he's coming back. Amen. It's worth dying because of that. It's, it's worth being persecuted because of that because we know we're going to live again and we're going to live in the land that he promised way back when to, to Abraham. Also in this time of global crisis, counterfeit religious leaders will show up even more. They will arise even more and misguide people into a false reading of current events. And the reason we know that is because of what Jesus says here. Nation will rise against nation and so forth. And then in verse 9, he talks about this uh, tribulation of the end times. And in verse 7, at that time, many will fall away. That's uh, abandoning the faith and betray one another. And in verse 11, many false prophets will rise. So there will be many false prophets rising up during that time. We know them today. There are many false prophets. We can name them. Now, one of these guys will top them all off, according to John. There will be one false prophet in the end times who will have the stage all for himself because he will be the sidekick of the Antichrist. Listen to Revelation 13, verses 11 through 15. Then I saw another beast. So remember, the first beast was representative of the Antichrist. Now John says there was another beast coming up from the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb. And he spoke as a dragon. And he had satanic words. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. Remember, the first beast is the Antichrist. And he makes the earth and those who dwell on it to worship the first beast, whose fatal wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs with which it was given him to perform in the presence of the beast telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast and who had, uh, who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. So this false prophet here will be the sidekick of the Antichrist, the second beast being the sidekick to the first beast, promoting this false religion, this false worship, instructing the world to worship the Antichrist, to worship this man who will be a satanic implant here, and he will promote the one world religion. This will be the false prophet who will be leading all of that defection and betrayal. And then there will be a wholesale transgression. Verse 12, because Jesus says, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. Lawlessness and love that has grown cold will be features of the end times leading up to the return of Christ. But you say, wait a minute, Pastor Rob, we're living in those days now. Well, I, I, I can see why you have that impression. But the point is that this is the, the lawlessness is referring to the law of God. And yes, we are living in days that resemble what the, what's going to happen in the future now because the law of God is not only being ignored, is being, people are trying to flip flop what is good. Also, we live in a time now that love of personal choice trumps love for life. 
I mean, you don't get any colder than this. When you pass laws that protect bald eagles more than people, I mean, your love has grown cold. And those are going to be the distinguishing marks of the end times as well. But in the tribulation of the end times, people will rebel against the laws of God even more than they do now. And the reason for that, church, is because, remember, if my understanding of the chronology of the end times is correct, the church will not be here during that time. Uh, at least in the beginning, there will not be any believers during it because we will all have been raptured out of here. Therefore, people say, finally, these Bible thumpers are out of here. The Bible also says that during that time, the restricting ministry of the Holy Spirit will be lifted temporarily so that evil can run amok, at least temporarily. So... Let's just review the five milestones that we talked about today that precede the return of Christ. There will be wicked deception, worldwide affliction, wretched persecution, woeful defection, and wholesale transgression. We will look at two more next week. But the question for us as we conclude is this. Okay, now that we know all of this, how do we live today? And what the Bible requires of us is, again, for us to live godly in the present age where to live at peace without worrying without anxiety god's got this under control he wants to boost your confidence in the word of god he wants to comfort you in case you are anxious because of the present and he wants us to desire his government even more if you have questions or comments we'd love to hear from you our email address is radio at gbcsalem.org or you can visit our website, truthwithgrace.org, for more information about our church and this media ministry. Plus, we're always looking for people, just like you, to help us spread the gospel around the world. This broadcast is provided to you at no cost to the generosity of financial and prayer supporters of Truth With Grace. Please feel free to share it, but please don't charge money for it or edit it in any way without the written consent of Grace Baptist Church. Until next time... This is Truth with Grace.